Today's guest is another Boomer podcaster. Our conversation revolves around estrangement from a sibling, perhaps from a child, maybe a friend. I think we've all experienced it one way or another. Often it's a source of embarrassment or shame, so we don't want to talk about it. And stay tuned to the end as we discuss the world of podcasting for Boomers. It's a passion project for both of us, apparently. Wendy and I are trying to spread the word. Maybe you can help. Or should I say, maybe you can help? <laughs> Listen now. Welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. I've mentioned in the past that I find guests through Podmatch and that sometimes guests find me. Today's guest found me, and it was interesting to be contacted by another Boomer podcaster. There's a saying that a rising tide raises all ships. So not only was I interested in Wendy's subject matter, but I was also thinking that the more we can work together to get more Boomers listening to podcasts, the better for all of us. We'll touch on Boomer podcasts later in our conversation. But first of all, one of Wendy's focuses foci focuses um we're going to talk about estrangement we hear about it perhaps we live with it but there's so many questions are we okay with it do we lose sleep over it will we regret not having done something as we breathe our last breaths wendy green welcome to the boomer woman's podcast Hi, Agnes. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this this is going to be great. But I say great. It's great to talk to you. Estrangement in one form or another is a fact of life for many of us. As I was prepping for our chat, I realized we could be the estranger or the estrangee. Can we start with sibling estrangement? Because to me, that's the easier one to live with. Now, the most common sibling estrangement that I've heard about often comes after one or both parents die. Is that true or is that just my experience? No, I think I think that is a very common time for sibling estrangement to happen. Sometimes sibling estrangement, like one of my guests was talking about being estranged from her brother for 40 years, 40 years. Um, and it turned out that it was because of the way the parents kind of had a favorite, which was her. Okay. And so he distanced himself from the whole family. So it can cover a, a whole wide range of reasons for siblings to be estranged. And my understanding also is that it can if if you are the one who is being rejected, basically is how it feels, right? You're the one being rejected. Um, it can affect your future relationships. It can affect how you feel about yourself. Because why would my brother or sister not like me anymore? What did I do? You know, all of those unanswered questions that, of course, remain unanswered because you're not talking to each other. Well, you talk about like a, like a favorite. Um, my own dad and his sister, she, my dad had nothing nice to say about his sister for as long as I could ever remember. They were pretty, both pretty devoted to their mother, my grandmother. And my as my grandma aged, the only way for her to visit my dad was if her daughter, my aunt, delivered her. Mm -hmm. So one night after grandma went to bed, either my dad or his sister accused the other of some transgression. 
which was followed by, like, what are you talking about? Uh, to cut a long story short, my grandma had figured out early on the best way to get lots of attention was by making up stories so that each child was extra devoted to make up for the alleged shortcomings of the other. Oh, wow. So, I mean, they sorted it out that night and their last years were spent amicably. But how common is that? Like, was my grandmother just shrewd? (laughs) (laughs) You know, that is really an interesting story, Agnes. And I think dysfunction in families, I I mean, you know, let's step back a moment. We all have dysfunction in our families. (laughs) but, But, you know, when there is that kind of dysfunction with a parent who needs so much approval and attention from their children, they can certainly set something up like that where, you know, well, this one, do you know what this one did for me? He brought me flowers and chocolate for Valentine. How come you didn't, you know, and sets up that kind of competition. And um, that can certainly be one of the factors. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty strange. Now I'm estranged from my own two half siblings. Mm. They're 16 and 18 years older than me. So I never really knew them. They didn't pay much attention to our father, let alone my mother. So after a disagreement, after my mom passed, you know, it was me. I just decided that there would be far less stress without them in my life. Given the distance between us, like for over 50 years, I don't think that decision has changed any of our lives. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think what you describe is almost like two separate families, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, so if there was not the closeness, you didn't grow up together, you didn't have those family memories of sitting around the Thanksgiving dinner table or Christmas or playing games, you know, then it's not as big of a loss as you describe, you know, it's not something that you want to change. It's not something that you feel like a need to to reacquaint yourself with them. And obviously they don't feel that need either. So it's probably best left undone at that, at that point. Yeah. 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 Yay. One less thing on that to do. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the wrong attitude. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it isn't, it isn't, it isn't right. Because if it's toxic for you or if it doesn't bring you good, warm, loving feelings, then maybe it's not worth the effort just to feel let down again, that that they never accepted you in the first place as a half-sibling. Yeah. There's a whole story there, but I'll keep going. I was washing dishes earlier this morning, uh, and I do my best thinking, either walking or washing dishes, it appears. I realized there's also guilt by association. So perhaps two siblings, so say I have two siblings that are estranged from each other, one of them might decide that I'm a bit too close to that estranged siblings so they estranged they don't talk to me either that's really hard and what what do we do about that so you're saying that is something that you're dealing with now no 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 not at all but it just occurred to me as that I was thinking oh jeepers what about just as I said guilt by association so yeah a lot of times what happens with sibling estrangement is when siblings marry right and their partners don't really like the other sibling or the partner is very needy and they don't want the sibling spending time with the family. They want to completely own that person's time, you know? So 
a lot of times that happens. I, I guess that's guilt by association in a sense, but it it's hard, you know, when you marry somebody, you you hopefully develop some sense of loyalty and commitment to that relationship. But if that relationship is making you choose between your birth family or your or your adopted family and them, a lot of times they choose the spouse, the partner at the risk of losing them, you know? So that creates a lot of problems in families. Yeah. It's funny because I, I have in the past thought about, you know, like if, if there's a disagreement between, you know, your spouse or your, your, your parent thinks something should be done one way, but you want to, you know, go with the spouse or they don't like your spouse's politics. I don't know, whatever the loyalty should probably be with the spouse. But it never occurred to me that, boy, you could, yeah, it could just blow up into full-on estrangement um, from siblings or parents or whatever. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's and really I, you know, I think with siblings, there's, there's, you know, I have this with my brother. I mean, there's estrangement, and there's, we just don't really choose to spend time together unless we have to, you know. So, I. Going back to your first question, you know, does this happen when when um, a parent dies? I don't know. I wonder, truthfully, what will happen between he and I after my mother passes. My father's already been gone a long time, but you know, there's not. We have nothing in common, and we disagree on just about everything. And you know, so right now. I make an effort to be in his life because of my mother, but I don't know if that's going to continue. There's this concept, and I'm sure you've talked about this, Agnes, the concept of family of choice. I was just going to ask about that, yes. Right, as opposed to your family of origin. I mean, we don't get to choose the people that we, <laughs> we were given when we were born. And we we hopefully can tolerate them. But, you know, you've seen all the movies about coming home for Christmas and how horrible those vacations can be because we don't have a lot in common. And so we just have to make a decision what we choose to talk about with that person and how much we want to let them in our lives. And I know a lot, of, you know, I don't want to be negative. I know a lot of families that love being together. And spending time together, but it can be tough with siblings that are so different. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to me. It's always been interesting to me. You know, you look at like a pair of siblings or a set of siblings, and you think like they grew up with the same parents, the same family, same home, same holidays. How can they be that different? Or how can one be so far out in left field? And yeah, it's strange. I know, right? It's it is that the biology or the <laughs> or the um, way you were raised. I think it's a little bit of both, but yeah. I mean, look at your own children. You know, I have I have a son and a daughter, and I mean, they get along pretty well, fortunately. But they're very different people. One is very driven, and one is very artistic. And you know, I don't know. <laughs> they were raised the same. <laughs> They were raised, you know, by a boomer mom who was all about 
everybody's equal, you know, boys can play with dolls, girls can play with trucks, da 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 da. My girl was like, oh no, I'm all about frilly dresses and Barbies. <laughs> okay. It's just different. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the first time my son came to me and I think they'd come second in some like major tournament and he was so despondent and he said, I said, no, that's great. He said, what are you talking about? Nobody ever wins silver. They lose gold. Mm -hmm. And I went like, where did that come from? <laughs> and I, I did know somebody else who was a athlete and uh, like a professional athlete in her youth and I said like what is he talking about and she looked at me like I was the crazy one and said yeah you, you never win silver you just always lose gold and I thought okay well who knows where these come from but so be it you know I love you anyways I know right yeah <laughs> oh dear Yes, it's funny because you touched on on spouses, because I was going to say, you know, if you think that your sibling is being an ass just to keep the peace with their spouse, then I guess you just sort of roll with it or get on with life without him or her or something. I don't know. You know, I think that's an individual choice for each of us. Yeah. Right? So um, Thanksgiving is a big holiday for me. I love doing Thanksgiving and I invite everybody. And I always get a little anxious when my brother accepts his wife is fine. You know, we can have a nice conversation. It's not her. <laughs> it's him. And I, you know, here's the thing, Agnes, I can't change him. Right. And I can't control how he's going to behave. Everybody in the family knows how he is. I, I used to say, can you please not talk about X, Y, and Z? Because those were always hot button topics. <laughs> and then he would get mad at me for asking him to do that because I'm controlling him. So now I'm just like, you know, he's going to be who he's going to be. We will see him for an hour at Thanksgiving and then he'll leave. And I've done my, <laughs> I've done my part of being a good sister. Well, it's funny, the Pollyanna in me went, wait a minute, he accepts the invitations. So I guess the door isn't completely closed. But speaking of doors, how, how does one open the door for reconciliation? We'll Ooh. talk like siblings. Ooh, you know, if it's bothering you that, you, you know, your sibling won't speak with you or gets nasty whenever you're together, but that really doesn't sit well with you. Yeah, that's a that is a great question. It takes both parties to want to reconcile. You know, I could want to have be able to have a nice conversation with him, a good time with his family. But if he doesn't want that, you know, it's not something I can do on my own. If he chooses to want to continue to have a relationship with me, then we have to sit down together face-to-face -face and agree what we can talk about and what we can't talk about without getting angry and agree on, you know, like, is there a trigger word? Is there something that we need to be aware of? So if one of us says something that the other takes as offensive, we need to be agreeing that 
all right, all right, I hear what you say. I'm sorry, I won't go down that path. Really hard to do because of the emotional strain of trying to really watch what you say all the time. You know, and and it and typically, Agnes, there's a trigger that brings you to that point of uh, being willing to sit down face to face and have that conversation. You know, maybe somebody's parent died. Maybe somebody got sick um, and they realize, wow, I want to heal this before it's too late. Maybe they've gotten divorced and now they're despondent or they lost a job and they're despondent. You know, so it's usually a trigger that causes the one sibling to reach out to the other and say, I'm ready to try and heal this. Would you be willing? Yeah, yeah. I, I had a question on my notes for later. Like if somebody is absolutely not willing to even consider a reconciliation, then you can't do it. You have then. to figure out a way to deal with your own hurt then. Exactly. Exactly. You can't, you can't do it yourself. Just like any relationship, right? You can't fix it yourself. You can fix yourself. You can change your perception of it. You can say, I'm an okay person just because they don't want to reconcile with me. That's on them. You know, that doesn't mean I'm not a nice person or I'm not a caring person. <laughs> no, we're always perfect. <laughs> I'm a legend in my own mind. <laughs> okay. I started with sibling estrangement. I said that was the easier one. And part of that was because I cannot imagine being part of a parent adult child estrangement now at this age we could be the adult child or we could be the parent what are some of the reasons for that estrangement let's let's start if we're the adult child our parents are well into their 80s or 90s by now is there any chance of bringing them around or do we have to make all the compromises oh you know i think with our parents it's less likely that we are estranged than it is with our children. And that's because of the way we were all raised, you know, family loyalty, family first, you know, even when your family is annoying and all the other bad words you can think of, <laughs> you still are loyal to your family. You know, we were raised that way. Good point, yeah. Right. And we may have a father who was just awful or a mother who was severely depressed or anything in between that. And we still feel this sense of commitment to the family and to the parent, unless they were terribly abusive. It's very it's much more rare that we would be estranged from our parents. I mean, you know, I guess I could think about your sisters, your half-sisters, who sounds like they estranged themselves from their father, from your yeah, father. Yeah, there, there's a, a, a half-brother and a half-sister. So, yeah. Yeah, the, well, yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, I don't want to get into my own thing that much, but my half-brother was sort of... The, the sun, I always say the sun rose and shone out of his ass. 
he, <laughs> my, my father was very, very proud of him. Not that he wasn't proud of the rest of us, mm. but I was raised knowing that, boy, you know, that, that brother mm. could do no wrong. So, yeah, it was strange to me that both him and um, now my half sister, I think she was part of that. I don't like you. You're, you're mean and nasty. Um, mm. So she just broke off. But uh, yeah, it's, I guess every family's got their dynamic. Doesn't every it? family's got their stuff. But the, the big problem that we're seeing more and more of today is the one that's the most uncomfortable for us, the, the parent and adult child estrangement. And when we're a the lot of it comes from, well, some of it's our fault, right? The way we raise them, like you have a voice. Well, that's what I mean, when we're the parent and it's our adult children that, yeah. Right, right. And we raise them to have a voice and to feel like they can say what their needs are and they can, you know, um, there it's all about their mental health. There's a lot of talk about the mental health of the young people now. And studies have shown that therapists for these Gen X and millennials are, are saying to them, you know, well, maybe you need to set some boundaries around your parents and maybe, you know, they're getting too involved in your life. And they're, so they kind of encourage this distancing that can turn into estrangement and it's very difficult, very difficult to deal with. Like I was a single mom since my kids were two and four and I felt like the three of us were a team. You know, we had each other's back. We played games. We had our own Thanksgiving, you know, like we, I mean, we were a team and I would love it when even still to this day, you know, we get texts between the three of us. But recently at Thanksgiving, again, my son got very upset with me because I got upset with him about something he, you know, the way he said something to his daughter and I thought he overreacted and he didn't want my opinion. He didn't want me stepping in. I wasn't allowed to say anything. And I was told if I did that again, I would not be welcome back. And I was like, what? What? Like, how could you say that to me? I'm your mother. <laughs> I've always had your back. I was devastated, Agnes. It was so awful. And it took us a while to, and it's hard, you know, as the parent, we have to recognize that at the, and when this generation, that we, they don't want our advice, you know, and here we are, right? Here we are with our boomer shows going, you know, we have all this wisdom and we have learned so much and we're still learning and we encourage each other and we inspire each other and. They don't want any part of that. They want to forge their own path and develop their own wisdom. And maybe they'll ask at some point, but they don't want it now. I have this saying that I, I've used on a number of people. And it's that the statute of limitations on parenting runs out when they turn 18. <laughs> and, and I've tried to, to listen to my own <laughs> philosophy. And, and I, I don't offer advice, although... 
I, th I think maybe that's helped because they do come to me sometimes with, you know, what did you do or what do you think I should do? And and then I, I really try to distance myself by saying, okay, well, you know, here's the, pro here's the pros as I see them. Here are the cons as I see them. You, I still say you decide, you know, because I don't want to be responsible, no matter how I know they'll react if they make one decision or the other. It's good it's, for you. Well, it's really hard, though, because it's like, put a zipper across it. and I know it is. It's really hard. And when you see them doing something, you know, like for me, particularly with my grandchildren, I'm like, don't talk to my grandchildren. Like But yeah, it is. It's hard. You, you're you so used to being the parent. I don't know how you were raised, but for me, you know, I maybe because I was a single mom, I, I looked to my parents for advice many times because okay. I didn't have the husband to ask. Well, my parents were much, much older than me. I, I think I was probably an oops. Um, so, you know, they were almost two generations removed. So uh -huh. it's like the last thing I'm going to do is ask you because children should be seen and not heard. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting one with uh, the children. And, and once grandchildren are in the mix, as you say, I had a mother-in-law who, if I put a boundary on one of my children she'd say oh come on grandma will help you with that or grandma will get that for you and it's like don't undermine me <laughs> so I'm I, I try to be cautious of that too you know like will this be okay with the parent and I've been known to message a parent and say this is what I want to do is it okay you know or do you have a rule around it and yeah well you're very wise to <laughs> that because Many parents don't, and and they're shocked. Like I was shocked when their children suddenly push back and put up a boundary. I mean, my my son is forty five. You know, he's never done that before. Forty five years. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, wow, that was yeah. So um, and that was part of the reason I chose to do a whole series on estrangement, you know, because it was one of those things that I, I, I mean, people don't like to talk about it. Right. Because it's embarrassing. You don't want people to think you're a bad parent. And why would your child stop talking to you? And why don't you just be, you know, make up? And but it's a big growing problem and um parents don't seem to know how to how to come back because i think a lot of what you have to do i mean you, you've set it up right you want to set it up so that your kids come to you and you're not offering advice unless you're asked that's obviously the best and you probably won't be estranged but if you've gotten to that point, you have to put your big girl pants on and, you know, say, I hear you saying that my giving advice or my criticizing or my whatever it is that they think you're doing is really painful to you. And for many parents, that's so hard to do because they don't believe that they're doing anything wrong. And so you have to acknowledge, okay, 
in their perception, what I'm doing is painful to them. And so I need to be aware of that and stop doing it. And it and 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 be responsible. Own the behavior. Yeah. Well, and I think too, as we discussed, you know, when you've got a child, for example, who is just so different, has gone in such a different direction than you thought you raised that person, then it's like, hmm, I, I have to totally reevaluate this relationship. So because personally i can't imagine it would break my heart i'd be devastated if one of my children said mom you're out of my life but so as i say if somebody if a child ends up being following a path that you go like what the then you know you have to figure out how to how to walk that path you do you do and um certainly counseling for the parent is advised you know i've had several guests on that have talked about different ways to handle it and if your child is willing, because here's the truth, Agnes, your child is hurting too, right? They don't want to be estranged from you. You were their first love and it's painful for them, but it, I guess it's more painful for them to continue to see or feel whatever it is, the behavior that they don't like. That, that seems to threaten them, that seems to damage them. And so if, if you're going to reconcile, obviously the first step is owning, taking responsibility. And then, you know, ideally you can do some family therapy if they're willing to, to do therapy with you. And again, that's, you know, it's hard to sit there and listen to your adult child say things to you that you can't even believe that they feel that way, that they see you that way. And, and yet they have to be able to say that and they have to be heard if you're going to find a path back. And for any parent, as you said, it's so painful and so hard. And I, I don't know of anybody who can do it without help. Some people I'm sure can it sounds like you really have to let go of ego. Let go of defensiveness, let go of guilt, you know, just let them voice what they're, they need to voice. You'll be walking on eggshells for a while, you know, as you try to make your way back because you'll be afraid that you're going to say the wrong thing or, look the wrong, you know, give the wrong look or, <laughs> right. And um, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. It is a challenge, but you know, as a mom, it's worth it because you love those kids more than anything. Yeah. Guilt by association can happen here too. I would think in so far as, you know, if, if two of my kids aren't talking to each other, Hmm. one might think okay they're really close to mom so I'm not going to talk to mom either because I don't want them talking about me hmm. so yeah. you know that is <laughs> I think that's even worse you know because it's 
I don't say it's totally out of your control, but it's, as I say, guilt by association is like, but, but, you know. Yeah. And, and, and spouses come into that too. You know, sometimes, you know, your children will marry somebody who's you don't like, and you got to zip it there too. (laughs) (laughs) Welcoming and as loving as you can so that they don't have to make a choice. Well, and I guess too, you know, that, that, that other person that, uh, in-law is going to be the parent of your grandchildren too so yeah you you don't want to lose your grandchildren you don't want to lose your grandchildren you sure don't and that does happen a lot of grandparents I mean you read about that all the time right grandparents getting shut out from getting to see their grandkids yeah family dynamics you know particularly as we get older become so much more sensitive and important to us you know we know that we have a limited time left I mean you know I'm 70 I'm hoping I have another 20 years maybe more More, more. (laughs) I'm gonna live forever and so far so good okay (laughs) but you know I don't want to go out with with bad feelings or with lost time and I think it becomes more important to us, you know, it's and and that's where I think the push is to for parents to try and continue to maintain those relationships or to heal them. Uh, my research shows that it's much harder for fathers if they've been estranged, you know, because the father ruled the house, right? The father was the the decision maker or whatever he was in the family. The disciplinarian. Right? Yeah. And so for them to stand there in front of their kid and say, all right, I hear that you don't like this about me. And I, I accept that that's been, whew, that's uh, hard enough for the mom. It's really hard for the dad to do that because it's a big ego thing, right? Your ego is involved. Well, let's hope the next generations of dads, uh, you know, are a little bit more accommodating. They seem to be more sensitive, and I'm going to use air quotes there, but uh, yeah. Now, you just mentioned, like, as we get older, is deathbed too late? You know, like, That's is, right. you know, if you reach out to, like, if your sibling, for example, or that your parent is on their deathbed, and you think, oh, my God, you know, like, <laughs> there'll, there'll be no more chances after next month. Um, I'll I'll suck it up now and go and do something because I don't want to feel guilty after they die. Or if it's us on our deathbed, you know, and reaching out to siblings or children. Do you have opinions about deathbeds? Uh, you know, deathbed. I hope I die short. <laughs> I don't fly there very long on my deathbed. <laughs> but I I do. I mean, I I feel like. You know, it would be good to be able to to leave with good feelings for yourself and for everybody around you to feel like, you know, you built bridges, you shared your love, you were a good role model and you were accepting. You know, I think that's the thing as we get older, at least for me, I'm, you know, as I when I was young, I was very much that activist boomer you know 
at the protest marches and doing all that stuff. <laughs> I think I still feel things passionately, but I also have gotten to a place where I'm more accepting of differences and accepting of different people and recognizing that at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We all love our families. Most of us, <laughs> we, you know, we all care about having a safe place to live and having enough food. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we still all cherish. And I would rather as an older person be able to focus on that than spend a lot of energy in anger and distancing. And, and that is, and, and, and here's what else I believe, Agnes, I think living a long life requires us to have that kind of loving, positive attitude, because if we're negative, if we're filled with anger, I think that's going to shorten our life. I truly do. Well, and, and I think it, even if it doesn't shorten our life, we're going to spend years alone and lonely. And, and yeah, that, that's awful. I can't once again imagine just having pushed so many people away because they're so negative or so judgmental or, or whatever. It's, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. 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 It's not, it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As I was prepping for this, I realized how complicated because of all the difference, like a spider's web, it can go in different directions at different generations and things like that. Is there anything we haven't talked about, about estrangement? Right. Okay. And okay right because that can happen too so we have we have different levels of friends you know we have our really best girlfriends and those are the ones that probably know our secrets we feel safe sharing with them and they with us we have you know another layer of friends after that and and then we have friends and acquaintances that come and go into our lives and you know it I, I think an estranged friendship happens when you realize that that friend is no longer healthy for you in the sense that, you know, you, you're doing, you're making all the effort, you're doing all the caretaking of them in a sense and their feelings and their situations and and yet when you call and say, hey, I need this, or can we meet for dinner or whatever, they're too busy, they don't want to. And eventually you start to realize that friendship is all going one way. And there is a sense of loss, you know, especially if they've been a longtime friend. There is a sense of loss. It It's an estrangement. And, and you know, you'll, you'll be tempted to reach out again. And should I call? And because I've known them so long, they've been a part of my life for so long. And I think there's some important questions to ask yourself, you know, well, what if you do reach out again? What do you want from that friendship? And will that be possible? If you think it's possible, then yes, definitely reach out again. But if you think it's just going to be toxic, unhealthy for you, you're going to have to suffer through that loss for a little while and let it go. 
Well, one thing I've noticed too, um, I'll be 70 this year, is that, you know, if we're ending a love relationship, we talk it out. And even if it's bitter or angry or whatever, we, we do actually draw the line in the sand. It is terminated. Mm-hmm. You know, the, <laughs> you've sent out the papers. Friendships, it, they just sort of waffle about in the sand for the longest time until there's either been enough time or you find a way back. I don't know, but it's not like you have those, or rarely do you have those discussions with a friend, like a, a non-love friend, that this is this relationship isn't working for me anymore. Uh, this is the only way I can see it working. If you can't see that, then, you know, like for my own health, I need to uh, terminate it. We don't have those conversations with friends. You're right. Typically we ghost them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. We just, we're, we're like, oh, that's going to be too painful to have that conversation with them. They're, you know, they're, yeah. So we just kind of let it drift away. You're right. And, uh, and if they still need us, then they'll still be trying to be a friend. And then, then there's the guilt, right? Oh, they're trying to reach out and, I don't want to return that call. And, you know, that. so if you can, if you're in that situation, ideally you will have that closure conversation, especially if they keep reaching out to you and now you're feeling so guilty. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're right. Most of the time with a friendship, it kind of drifts away, unless they've been one of your very, very close friends. If they have been one of your very, very close friends, typically there'll be something said about why this can't continue. You know, maybe you both have, I mean, we're 70, Agnes, you know, and if we've known them since we're 30, things change, you know, maybe we're on completely different paths now and or we've moved to different areas of the country and, you know, for whatever reason, it may not be that it's unhealthy. It's just not practical anymore. That's funny. As we talk, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, there's this, or there's this, as if we could talk for hours. But <laughs> I want to spend a little bit of time. I'm looking at the clock here. Podcasts. Let's talk about getting boomers listening to boomer podcasts or any podcasts. You I recently know. posted a meme, which I shared about getting more boomers to listen to podcasts. I know so many people who listen to talk radio but don't understand that on podcasts, you can choose your listening content, not just take whatever the radio gives you. I know. I went to um, the podcast movement conference this summer in Denver, and they did a big presentation about who listens to podcasts. And our demographic is very small. So, you know, I try to think about, well, then there's only room to go up from there, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but we have to encourage our friends. You're absolutely right. And and I think about that. I mean, we grew up with radio, right? We grew up listening to AM radio, FM radio, talk radio. And I, I, I don't know if it's the technology that's keeping people from making the switch, to, you know, oh, all I have to do is go to Apple or Spotify and click on this and I can listen to anything. 
maybe we have to go house to house and show them. <laughs> well, even just last weekend. And I mean, how I introduce people is I'll say, oh, I inter and I always use the word interview. I interviewed the most interesting person about A, B, and C. And people go like, are, are you looking for a job? Or like, <laughs> why, why were you interviewing? I go, no, no, I have a podcast. And I was talking to this person. And then, of course, it's like, what, what's a podcast? Mm -hmm. And even just last weekend, I said, give me your phone. You see this little icon here? That's podcast. You click on it, click into search and put any word you want in there. And you'd be surprised what comes up. And then when you're walking or when you're doing your housework or whatever, you can listen to the content of choice. And that's what that icon is. <laughs> you know? And it's like, yes. <laughs> I know, I know. And it's so addictive once you get started yeah. with a podcast, you know? I mean, maybe because you and I have a podcast, we, I, I listen to them in the car, you know, I, I listen to them when I'm working, when I'm walking. I mean, I just, there's, and the thing is, there is so much to learn on podcasts. And I think, at, again, as we age, you know, lifelong learning is so good for us and so valuable. And I mean, it's anything you want to know about bugs, you want to know about cooking, <laughs> you want to know about life as a boomer, you know, there, there's any particular topic that you might think of. There's a well, podcast for that. Yeah. I love what you say on your podcast page. And I'm going to quote this here, rather than seeing retirement as an ending, we see it as an opening of an exciting new and vibrant chapter, a time for exploration, self-expression and fulfillment. And when I think about the variety of guests that I've talked with over the years, listening to podcasts, you know, whether you're walking or doing chores or work, whatever, even feet up on the couch with your eyes closed, it could be, if you do your search right, like a one-stop shop for solutions, directions, inspiration, you name it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We do. And we need to get our listeners to share this, to show their friends how to listen and find the podcast, because if they love us, their friends are going to love us. And, you know, it's a gift. It's a gift you'd be giving to your friends and your family by turning them on to our shows and, you know, exposing them to all the I mean, is this not the most fun that you've had? You meet the most interesting people all the time. Yeah. And from around the world. From around the world. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And why do we, we don't want to keep that to ourselves. <laughs> well, I don't know about you, but I don't make any money off my podcast. I do it just because I get to talk to you. I talked to somebody a couple of days ago. I talked to two men last Friday. I'm talking to somebody else later today. It's interesting it's so much fun and so uh, much fun it's the most fun I've ever had as far as a job it, it I don't make money I I mean I'm trying to figure out <laughs> that a little bit but um you know I do it for love I yeah. do and I love the people that I meet they're just I, I learn something every day like what could be better than that yeah yeah tell us about some of your guests Oh, gosh. Well, so we just finished that estrangement series. Okay. And now we're starting to talk about caregiving. So we talked to somebody last week about care being a caregiver for someone with Parkinson's, which was pretty tough. This coming Monday, we're going to be talking about solo aging 
And, you know, the truth is we all will be solo agers if we live long enough. And so, you know, what do you have to do to get ready for that? And think about your friends. Are they going to need your help? And how much are you willing to help? And those kinds of things. And then, oh, this will be interesting. You talked to uh, Rob Schwartz. The oh, right. Yes. Story, yeah. Right. Um, so Rob is going to come back on and we're going to talk about our experiences caregiving for our parent, our fathers. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that'll be good. And then we're talking about great divorce and reintroducing new people to families if you decide to start another relationship. We talk about health. So I'm doing topics this year. You know, I've done a lot of reinvention work and amazing things that people have done. But uh, I think turning 70 this year, it was like, wow, okay, there's a lot of things we need to start to think about and get in order. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a theme for this year and I keep it right in front of my desk. And it's just, that was then, this is now. Create your own next chapter. There you You go. Because as you said, we might have 10 years, we might have 30, 40 years. Who knows today? So so let's stay active and vibrant. And uh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Now you also have, you mentioned earlier, Boomer Banter and Boomer Believers. What's that? Yeah, so... Those are monthly gatherings that I offer to my listeners. So the Boomer Banter is like a community meeting over Zoom. And I always have a theme um, and we get together and we talk about the theme. And it's been really nice, Agnes. We've built some nice friendships and, you know, we reach out to each other for different somebody, something's happening and we, you know, it's it's just been a nice community building kind of thing. The Boomer Believers is something I just started. And that's where my listeners can once a month meet over Zoom with one of the guests and be able to have, you know, conversation with them, ask them some of the questions that they felt didn't get answered in the show and get to know them a little bit more at a, on a more intimate level. So that is pretty exciting. People are really looking looking forward to talking to some of the guests yeah yeah I've often been ending the podcast by saying you know obviously leave comments blah 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 and I do say what question did I not ask our guest you know but yeah I don't get much response in the way of comments and things like that so no I know I've I've heard you do that and uh (laughs) yeah I know and people people see they turn it off right they're done we're done Yeah, yeah but yeah I I've find that people really do like that. I mean, of course we have to, you know, we're the podcast host, right? We have to start the conversation and reintroduce the guest and ask the first question. But after that, I find people just jump right in with questions. And oh, that's great. Yeah. And that's, so those are my membership things. I do those through, are you familiar with buy me a coffee? Oh yeah. I've heard of it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, they, they sign up through buy me a coffee I love that. And um, it's a membership. So once a month, they get to be part of this. And it's a way to make a little bit of money. It yeah. certainly isn't ever going to make me, you know. Much more than a coffee. <laughs> That's right. Coffee's expensive nowadays. Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think we both get so excited talking about podcasts. But 
before we close, give our listeners your best pitch for podcasts that they can share with their friends. And I edit, so you can take your time thinking about this. Well, let me see. I just wrote one. I I said, so, Hey Boomer is a podcast where candid conversations meet lifelong learning tailored for the active and discerning over 60 crowd. (laughs) Um, We meet every week. And I, I go live. I go live on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube before I take it out to the podcast. And I interview guests on topics, like I said, about family relationships and health and divorce and caregiving and the things that we need to really pay attention to and be aware of as we age so that we can age thoughtfully and healthfully and with gratitude. Love that word. Okay, where do we find you on the World Wide Web? My website is heyboomer.biz, B-I-Z. And it's Hey Boomer is the podcast name. Um, You can find it on any of the podcast players. And uh, thank you. This has been delightful conversations yeah i've loved it too and i was looking forward to it i must admit it's great i know you're also on social aren't you i think i was i'm on social i'm on facebook linkedin i try to be on instagram (laughs) i haven't mastered that yet (laughs) yeah yeah social is just everybody i talk to goes yeah i'm on social and the eyes roll a little bit (laughs) i know i I do have a youtube channel yeah okay can i ask you a personal question sure you said you were laid off during COVID and the idea for a podcast came to you then. Do you mind sharing that time and that process? Oh, yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, so my career um, was mostly in training and development in corporate. I started in as a technical trainer because I have a degree in computer science and, and then moved, got certified as a change leader and coach. And so moved into professional development kind of training. And, you know, anytime there's a downturn in the economy, training gets laid off. So when the pandemic hit this year, um, I was uh, in 2020, I was 66. And in America, that means I was eligible for Medicare. (laughs) So (laughs) I was like, okay, good. I don't have to worry about insurance now. But I also walked around my house for a little while going, okay, well, this is going to hit a lot of us in this age group really hard. If you've lost a job, try to find another job when you're 50, 60, 70. So I said to myself, how do you want to feel? And I said, I want to feel relevant. I want to feel like I still matter and I can still make a difference. And I knew that a lot of people were going to need to feel that too. I didn't know anything about podcasting. So my first foray into this medium was as a Facebook Live, which is why I still am doing (laughs) live shows. But the first show I did, I think my mother listened and a couple of friends and (laughs) yeah, but that's how it's, that's how I got here. It's been a huge learning opportunity and I have met the most amazing people. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going to make light of our subject matter today, but I'm just thinking another reason not to be estranged from family and friends is, you know, when you need them to tune in when you're first starting out on something or to support you, it's like, thank goodness they're there. There's somebody tuning in. You're right. Oh, right. Dear. My okay. kids are on my email list, right? They get my emails. <laughs> Stay in touch one way or another. Yeah. Okay. Funny. Website link is in the show notes. All of your links are on your page at our website. Listeners, if you have thoughts on today's show, please talk to us. Leave comments where you're listening or if you're listening at the Boomer Woman's podcast at boomathebang.com. Scroll to the bottom of the page and talk to us there. Uh, yeah, there's probably something about estrangement that I did not ask Wendy. <laughs> you can ask it in the comments or go listen to her podcast after you listen to mine. <clears throat> <laughs> Leave stars and reviews where you can. Think Apple Podcasts. Uh, they do help us expand our reach. Now, we talked about sharing episodes. Share this episode. And I know I say that every week. But this may well be the episode that convinces someone of the value of podcasts. And then you have a conversation every week, which is kind of nice, discussing the subject of the week. But there's also the estrangement issue. Many of us have estrangements in our life. And if you aren't comfortable with it, get on the healing journey now before it's too late. Mm -hmm. Wendy Green, thank you for being my guest today and for sharing so much of your knowledge about family estrangements. And for helping me sell the concept of podcasts to boomers. <laughs> oh, and a little teaser for our listeners. You also talk about solo travel and dating after 60. Mm -hmm. Maybe you'll join us again in the future. I will. Oh, I love traveling. Yes. And I, yes, I will definitely share it with you in the future. <laughs> Thank okay. You. Thank you. And I will definitely share this episode, Agnes. Thank you so much for having me on as a guest. No, thank you so much. Have a great rest of week. You too. Bye. Bye.